Uh, good afternoon, everyone. We are truly in this together. To get, to get, to get, to get together. And the only way we will get through this is by all of us working together. Each of of you doing your part you, you must stay at home okay welcome to the you must stay at home period podcast the only podcast for the pandemic i'm your part-time host karen with the hard end and with me, I have the co-hostesses with the mostess. <laughs> Co-hosts with the most, excuse me, fellas. Um, Buck, nasty. Never been on this side of it, but it's... Um, it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel weird trying to say something, uh, something witty at yeah, the last it... second. <laughs> and our illustrious Cephas from LinkedIn. Oh, you right. Well, happy holidays, fellas. Uh, tonight, uh, before we get into our uh, discussion, um, we'll be talking about, among other things, Miriam Rodriguez, the Bears victory over the Texans. We'll get into the Joe Epstein versus Dr. Jill Biden controversy. PhD and African countries outperforming their developed counterparts in 2020 because everything in 2020 is topsy-turvy and little Wayne gun charges. So where do you guys want to start tonight? Little Wayne gun charges. What happened? <laughs> yeah, what what well, did happen? Fuck you. Well, uh, apparently he was you know coming coming home uh, to Miami in a, in a private jet and someone must have leaked it to law enforcement that um that he had a, a handgun you know on on the plane and uh he's currently on parole uh so he can't you know technically have a wow a handgun so, so they, a gold-plated handgun too unless uh he could face up to 10 years wow so he's got to sign on to that uh that amicus brief to uh have trump's election loss overturned or else he won't get a pardon that's his only hope because uh they threw the book at ti so lil wayne's going to jail unless how long did, how long does trump state charge what is the state charge isn't it nothing is federal how's he how, what's he on probation for is from new york city when he was in jail for all that time for gun charges is that why I'm not sure why. Uh, let me see. And he's still a felon because of that? And he can't yeah, have a gun because of that? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it says uh, he pleads guilty to a federal gun charge. Oh, wow. He'll be sentenced in January, faces up to 10 years in prison. Uh, ooh. So, you know what? Okay. I'm just I'm scanning to see. Um, he was charged last month with one count of possessing a firearm and ammunition as a felon. Um, stemming from an incident on December 23rd, 2019, when an anonymous tip led Miami police officers to search a jet he had been on. Um, oh, oh, authorities said that in addition to the gun, which Lil Wayne said he had received as a Father's Day gift, they found cocaine, ecstasy, marijuana, heroin, 
painkillers and prescription strength cough syrup along with nearly $26,000 in how, cash. How much, how, much shit, how much shit you need to get high on? <laughs> well, hey. Well, um, a little bit tolerance. He wasn't- He's been he, on drugs his entire life. I guess his so. His entire adult life. It's, it, yeah, he wasn't charged with- childhood. Wasn't charged with any drug offenses though. So he beat that, so that's good. Um, it doesn't say what he was on probation or his what his felon, his prior felony was uh, or is, but you know, this is, I just want to say, it's like... Um, well, remember, he went to jail in New York City for having a gun and spent maybe three years or more in jail, just like Flexible uh, Burris. So uh, that's a felony. He has that felony. At least. Mm. Huh, okay. And then and then they'll, they'll probably ring him up on those uh, on that cocaine and everything on, on the jet, too. It said... Uh, in 2010, Lil Wayne began serving an eight-month jail sentence in New York after being convicted of criminal possession of a weapon stemming from an incident in July oh, 2007. It was only eight months, okay. Yeah, okay. So, yep, Rikers Island. Wow, <clears throat> eight-month sentence for weapons charges. Okay. Well, you know, hey, this is, it's just, what I'll say about it is, uh, it's proof that everything happens for a reason. The universe is always looking out for us because... The fact that he endorsed Trump might pay off for him. He might get one of these upcoming pardons that Trump's about to uh, to make rain down on the American public. So good on him. And who do we think would have snitched on him on the plane? Probably someone from the flight staff. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, a, Biden, a Biden supporter, someone in the resistance. So that's another, so that's another thing. Is he may make as much money as he won as a black man. And you have all these people at your employ. Don't trust them. Hmm. I'll stab you in the back. Yeah, because wouldn't there? I can't think of anybody who would like benefit from this. This is just somebody who was hating. Yep. Wow. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't sharing the. Uh, hold on, what was it's it? Heroin. The yeah, marijuana, the heroin, the cough no, syrup. The, yeah, I think it was the cough. I think it was the, the uh, syrup. The 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 ecstasy. <laughs> Or the, <laughs> uh, what else was it? Um, or the cocaine. So, or the painkillers. So, you know, hey, it doesn't doesn't pay to be stingy. Share the wealth. He, didn't he also just sell all of his masters for maybe a hundred million dollars? He did. Mm. Okay. Who else just did that? Taylor Swift. No, folk singer was it? Oh, um, not Bob Dylan. Dylan, maybe. Yeah, it was Dylan. It was Dylan. Yep. How much did he sell it for? Like five hundred, five hundred million. I think it was a hundred million, or maybe two hundred. Let me see. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan catalog. Do do. Uh, his entire songwriting catalog to Universal for doesn't say how much oh 300 300 300 and little wayne little wayne's was 100 okay so right bob dylan's music that? is bob mm -hmm. dylan's music is three times better than little wayne's it's official he's three times more <laughs> three times the audience size really hmm. okay uh all right well let's uh we slowly dying we wish little Wayne the best. Um, 
I hope he manages to continue to beat the drug charges because that was a lot. That was a whole a whole list of things. So, um, all right, where do you guys want to go next? Who's this uh, Miriam Rodriguez? I'm not familiar. Man, I, I was I, I put it in the in our Twitter chat, but I was reading it's fascinating article. Apparently, her she's a um, Mexican woman that lives in the San Fernando uh, region. Mm-hmm. or city uh, in Mexico and her 20 year old daughter in 2014 got kidnapped and held for ransom and I guess was you know, subsequently murdered mm-hmm. so what she proceeded to do was on some Liam Neeson taking shit man she took it upon herself to find everybody that was associated with killing uh, her daughter bringing them to justice like stalking them online, in person, becoming friends with their relatives, all changing her identity and occupation, makeup, everything wow. to infiltrate these people. And when she caught them, she would like stick a gun to them and call the police. Wow. And so she was associated with catching like 10 people and getting 10 people locked up. But apparently in, I don't know why they're just posting this story now, but apparently in, on Mother's Day, uh, these, these guys, these uh, cartel guys went and killed her mm. on Mother's Day in 2017. Mm. So she, she did all that to, to avenge um, her daughter's death. I, at first I thought they were saying she went and just killed, just smoked them herself. But um, that's not what she did. But uh, so for what, three years? You said her daughter was killed for three. So three years she went, changed her identity, even made friends with the suspect's relatives to try to get intel on them, you know, fake identity and stuff like that, because the the police really don't investigate a lot of these um, cartel cartel killings and stuff like that. They just don't. So she, um, yeah, she she was on mission. That's uh you you uh you buried the lead. You put it down as Miriam Rodriguez. Should have been Miriam Rodriguez badass. That's um <laughs> that's that's wild. It said and it says that they just got the jump on her, her killers, on Mother's Day because her husband found her um face down in the street with her hand inside her purse next to her pistol. So she was about to Yeah, she was coming for everybody. She, yeah, she's responsible for uh, instrumental in taking down 10 people. Wow. Mm-hmm. that That's a hell of a story. Where'd you come across that? Uh, just, it was just uh, trending, honestly. Mm. Today, I was like, wow, okay, what is this? I mean, it sounded like the, it sounded just like the, uh, the Taken story, you know. It, it reads, taken. yeah, it definitely reads the like. titles, I have a special set of skills, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, to just be that relentless and never stop. It's like That's all crazy. y'all going yeah. to jail. Y'all killed my little girl. All of y'all are going to jail. Because you know, she didn't care that they were that the um law enforcement either doesn't have the resources or they're paid off half the care. time, right. They're they bought off, off or you know, just aren't willing to take the risk because they end up dead. Yeah. Uh NPR has done some really uh, incredible reporting over the last 20 years on the uh, border and the cartels and Juarez and all that. And uh, it's 
it, I mean, it's just chaos. Yeah, you know, the fact that she could hunt these people down for ten for four, three or four years um, after losing her own child, you know, vigilante style, you know, proves it that there's just no real relying on law enforcement either at the state or the federal level. So good on her. That's that's man, that's girl power. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, so, I was I was like, man, I mean, she just was just, I mean, just I've, relentless. I've always, you know, you read these stories or you see the stories in the movies and, and just wonder the same thing, right? Like if something horrible like that happened to a loved one of yours, especially your child, like mm-hmm. it would drive you to do something. I, you know, I don't know if you become a whole vigilante like Miriam, but I could, I could, under, I could totally see. And they, and they said she, when they found her dead, she had her hand on the purse on the. That's gun. what I'm saying on her pistol. That's what I'm saying. They just got the jump on her. Right. She saw him, <laughs> and she just, you know, she was just a, a split second. Fifty-some-year-old woman. She right. She was just a split second too slow, and they got her before she got them. But I mean, she was running. They said she was running, running, running after motherfuckers and everything. Mm. I was like, wow. So who writes the first? So who writes the first? Rip from the headline screenplay for this. And who produces it? Oh, who yeah. plays her in the movie? Oh man, who plays her? Fifty-year-old J Lo. J Lo is about fifty, something. J Lo is fifty, but so, um, played the Zoe, Mexican before. Zoe Saldana. She played the Mexican. She played. She played. Uh, she played. Uh, Selena. Uh, Selena. But Speaking there's of, a. That is true, J Lo. Yeah, J Lo would be perfect for that. No, 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 no. There's a ton of great uh, older Mexican actresses. It's a joke. I was joking as a segue oh. to this current <laughs> Selena movie with this great value brand Selena they're using. Oh, not a great value brand Selena. That's a. Uh, did you watch it? Are you a Selena fan? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I watched clips of it. I mean, I, I did watch it, but I didn't watch the entire thing. It's on, I'm it's not on a, Netflix, right? Yeah, I'm not a Selena fan, but I watched the movies. The two other ones, they weren't bad. I was engaged, but, you know, why would they do this? Just, just curious. Mm, you know, she's a perennial, a perennial. They need more money to make out of it. But I think this would be a good movie and the world needs more of that than Liam Neeson. They need more of uh, what's the woman's name again? Rodriguez. Miriam Rodriguez. We need more Miriam Rodriguez Badass. real stories versus fantasies of Liam Neeson enacting his rage that he really had in his real life directed at black folks. Toward, toward, yeah, more. toward black folks. Yeah. What was that? A friend so, yep, of his? Fully supportive. Sounds great. A friend of his um, child was assaulted by a black person and he went ballistic. Something like that. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Right. right. <clears throat> but but um, it's, it's always great to hear stories of anti cowardice. Mm-hmm. And she died. She died not being a coward. Yeah, she sure didn't. So it's a great story. She, it's yeah. tragic. But it's great, and I think it would be a great movie when it's made. I'll go see it. Yeah, I'd watch that too. Totally. Um, yeah, good for her. I mean, hell, she triumphed, even if she was killed in the end. So, 
All right. So, all right. Here's here's the one. I'm now so here, now here. The sequel's going to be her husband. Her husband's going to go out and get the rest of these motherfuckers. So. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. We'll see. We'll see. He might be busy already. That was 2017. So we don't know what Mr. Rodriguez has been up to. Uh, somebody better go check on him. But uh, all right. So here's the uh, here's here's a story I, I've been curious to get you guys' feedback on and I, I don't have high hopes so we'll, we'll see how this plays out alright uh, Joseph Epstein apparently is a <laughs> old ass nobody nothing writer who pins this um, op-ed in the Washington in the Wall Street Journal uh, over the weekend um, condescending to Dr. Jill Biden Joe Biden's wife who is uh who has a PhD in education uh that first lady lady elect yes first lady elect that she should drop the doctor uh honorific in front of her name because she doesn't have in in uh, paraphrasing it's not a she's not a real doctor and he called her kiddo there's a couple excerpts I need to pull up uh, from from this, yeah, uh, I saw that. I didn't get that. He calls her kiddo. Wow. Yeah. So the the title is: Is there a doctor in the White House? Not if you need an MD. <laughs> the uh, the sub the subtitle is: Jill Biden should think about dropping the honorific, which feels fraudulent, even comic. All right. Now Jill Biden is is what fifty something, sixty something years old, uh, maybe even older than that. Um, this is a grown ass woman. And he starts off, it says, Madam First Lady, Mrs. Jill Biden, Mrs. Biden, Jill, kiddo, a bit of advice on what may seem like a small, but I think is not an unimportant matter. Any chance you might drop the doctor before your name? Dr. Jill Biden, in quotes, sounds and feels fraudulent, not to say a touch comic. Your degree is, I believe, an education doctorate earned at the University of Delaware through a dissertation with the unpromising title, student retention at the community college level, meeting students' needs. A wise man once said, no one should call himself doctor unless he has delivered a child. Think about it, Dr. Jill, and forthwith, drop the doc. Who's that wise man? Who's that wise man that said that? And right. Plenty of doctors, medical doctors, don't deliver children. Exactly. Right. So people people read this guy for filth. I mean, apparently he's got he, his most he's most famous for um, writing like a horrible um, homophobic screed about um, you know the worst thing his son could ever do is you know suck a dick, admit to being gay. <laughs> right. Right. And. Um, it was this I think he wrote that in the 80s or 90s so it was you know a different time but that's what he's like most famous for um and he's just a writer he's I think he's 83 years old or so 83 87 years old so mm. you know this is an older man but like I just so he's definitely been in those bathhouses sucking dicks <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just like he only has a BA um and it's just from so, where from uh the University of Chicago. Oh, and it was probably full of all those gentlemen C's. Yeah. He's 80 something. 
right how much work did he really do right uh so it's just so weird that it just can't it seemed to come out of the blue like nobody was like I, you know what honestly her I, using that title i never knew what kind of, I, I just assumed she was a medical doctor oh no and she's i a, just never she's a, i just never thought she's about a, it She's a faculty member at a community college in Delaware. Yeah, she's a okay. teacher. She's been a teacher her whole life. And, okay. you know, while she was raising Nothing wrong family, with that. Right, exactly. While she was raising oh. family, she went back to school. But she was never, there was never any pretense or false allegation or falsity that she was a medical doctor. Right, exactly. There's nothing that she's ever said that was right, she's, related to being a medical doctor. Right, not it's once. always education-based. Exactly. Not once ever, you know, did she try to give the image that she wasn't, you know, who she, you know, she she doesn't or have the, the um, credentials that she says she has. So it just seemed weird that it just came out of left field that he's like, he decides to pick on her. Of all the people, right, in our lifetime, there's been like a proliferation of people pursuing uh, doctorate uh, programs and you know there's I'm a PhD that, right I doctorates mean, every PhD in, I've had in in education I've had no problem with qualms calling them doctor right and every professor know, every professor we've ever had is just a about PhD all, right yeah just, just yeah. about and we call them doctor or professor synonymous right exactly right and um, so th- it sparked this whole debate online, at you, at, you know, on Twitter, at least, as you can imagine, where women were offended and PhDs were offended and MDs were offended and <laughs> just like everybody and their mom is hey, like, go on. what Karen, the hell is Karen, is that, is that your grandfather? No. She's trying to piss off everybody. So. Oh, well, it, it does. It does sound like one <laughs> of us, but <laughs> it wasn't. It was, I swear. Um, I am not an Epstein, uh, no relation. So, but, um, but yeah, it just like everybody was like, "What is this dude talking about? And where is he get off so being so patronizing and condescending and antiquated?" It's just, it was just weird, right? Like, you know, there's probably a lot of um, he's just upset figures that you could go after for that kind of thing for putting on airs, but but why? Dr. Jill, like, what the hell? It was just weird. Just upset because his name, Epstein, people now assume that Jeffrey's his relative and <laughs> right. titles bother him now because of all the confusion that he and Jeff are uh, close-knit. That's probably his son, though. It was, it's just, you know, that some people went on to talk about um, how uh, the first, that the, the PhD doctorate predates the the md doctorate by several hundred years apparently uh the first phd was awarded in paris in the middle ages um so like that's an older degree but and and then it was this whole debate about who should use the title and when and when they shouldn't like mds shouldn't call there was people saying md shouldn't call themselves doctor they should use their name comma md and there were people saying that, you know, PhDs are the only ones that legitimately should use the doctorate. And it was just, you know, what about PharmDs? And what about, it just, you know, I have a, some woman was like, I have a doctorate in audiology and I, you know, uh, help uh, deaf patients in the hospital and have had men tell me I shouldn't call myself a doctor. And it's just like, wow, I didn't realize just how, um, 
touchy a, su- a subject it is you know uh i hope you know once i get once i get some time on my hands like after i retire to go back to school and get a phd and you better believe i intend to make everybody call me dr, <laughs> dr. karen <laughs> dr Harden. Uh, you'll be, you'll be, but it's also another you'll, it's you'll also karen to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll be dr karen to you <laughs> It's also an issue because of an old 80-year-old man who got by on his limited education and he was able to write for these prestigious uh, papers of record and has the nerve to talk about someone. This woman spent much more time getting education and I'm sure she's never been paid as much as he's been paid for writing his shitty hot take articles. Exactly. That came up too. Like, you know, uh, and then he goes on to land. So it is important that she call herself doctor to highlight and it's important for people to, there's, they never are acknowledged, even when she's trying to acknowledge her, the hard work that she's done to earn the degree that she did is something that he doesn't find to be useful or valuable. Right. Community college education is important and it's something that needs to be studied. The, if she's studying it, there's, I, that, it's an everything excellent about point. what he said is awful. Right, exactly. It's an excellent point. And people made that point too, Cephas, that, you know, he's clearly showing a disdain, like he, you know, it, it his his opening paragraph drips with all this condescension about, you know, oh, your your degree is from the University of Delaware. It's a state school. Like, okay, you know, good for you. And that he clearly doesn't have any respect for for the 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 discipline of education because studying community colleges, studying, uh, you know, retention in community colleges and all colleges is important, but especially community colleges, because that's where the majority of students, you know, not maybe not the majority, but a, a large cohort of American students go. So it just was for higher education. Right. But his, uh, start higher education. his gentleman sees at, at University of Chicago that he got by of, for being white and saying so got him to where he is and doesn't he just doesn't understand why anything else is needed or even important because I'm white and I say so and it happens so why do we need this other stuff yeah yeah I have went to and I, I bet you could go back to his transcript which I'm sure is missing <laughs> and find all types of irregularities and in, in his the way he was educated I'm sure there's been tons of beyond just gentlemen sees and nothing i don't know yeah no Stop. it's um it, it's just you know he just completely excoriates this woman for having a phd in education and having written her dissertation on community college and it's just like where 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 does this guy get off this is it's crazy and then he then he uh he even goes about um, lambasting honorary degree recipients um, like Northwestern giving Colbert and, and Seth Meyers uh, honorary PhDs and Billie Jean King when he has an honorary PhD. From where? Uh, his is from, it might be from Northwestern as well. Um, but it, it was just, it was, I didn't read the whole um Piece because it just was so it just didn't make any sense to me that this guy you know it's it's like that meme where uh on on twitter where it's like nobody What's his first name one more time uh 
Joseph Epstein. Joseph Epstein, okay. It's like that meme where they say, you know, nobody, and then somebody just jumps in out of out of nowhere, you know, nobody colon, and then like no space or a space, and then the you know Joseph Epstein. You know, Jill Biden is not a doctor. Like just out of the blue randomness, and it just didn't make sense. I was like, I'm not even gonna spend a lot of time on it. But um, the internet, Twitter was the Twitter community was not happy. He did. I couldn't find one person defending defending him to say that it feels comic like I you know what I'll just say this before um uh I'll, I'll shut up but I think of all of the teachers I had growing up um you know our administrators at our school which were um mostly women but a few men mostly of color and these people had you know gone to school get to get advanced degrees some of them were you know um uh, phds and they you know we called them dr xyz and it just it's interesting to me that you know i i i've heard people say that oh you're you're not a doctor you're not an md you know you have a doctorate in education or whatever but um these people work really hard to pursue those degrees they put a lot of time and effort into the research. A lot of them are, you know, uh, working full time when they're in school. And it just seems really bitter and small to want to deny them something like an honorific just because, like Sifa said, you know, I'm, I'm used to being white on and on my say so, you know, the world says how high when I say jump. And it just, I'm offended for all of those people that you know, raised and, and educated me who were education PhDs. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm offended on their behalf. <laughs> I mean, that's the, it's the biggest, it's such a big non-issue. I mean, right. doctors are, are doctors regardless. Like you, first of all, you go to each one of them, whether it be MD or PhD, specializes in something. So, you know, you don't go to them unless it's in their specialty. Right, exactly. And why can't, you know, why, why, you know, what's wrong with people in different specialties having that honorific? As we've already been talking about in several podcasts, since I do live in, you know, in all full disclosure, I live in Georgia. So I've been getting bombarded with uh, with ads to vote. I, I don't know what's worse. I mean, I'm glad I'm not a Republican either, but the Democrats, I mean, even a guy came by to canvas yesterday. Oh, again. Another okay. person, a All different right. person. They trying came to- by the canvas. So, and, and I even, you know, went on a, um, a uh, Hattie B's fried chicken run. I've never had them. They're pretty good. And all through the, you know, kind of liberal downtown Decatur neighborhood I went through, everything was Ossoff Warnock. Warnock Ossoff. Vote one more time. Uh, Biden. Biden. Like, on yeah. people like, went through this block and it was like every single thing was a sign. If, if I was like a conservative, my head would have been ready to explode. <laughs> but, um, 
but there's you thing. know what I, i'll just say that this uh when i lived in that area uh george bush was in office and that's how it felt to me because there was just bush paraphernalia everywhere and it was, it was sickening i mean all down moreland avenue was vote one more time mm-hmm. vote one more time we got one more time to vote you know it would just be big blue um signs for that and i so, wasn't offended or anything but you know uh, this thing is really intense yeah have you you know how much money has been spent on it so far no i haven't researched it like should, but. at least 250 million dollars they have spent on the senate Easily. race alone Easily. on top of all the money that was spent on the presidential yeah, because i can't escape anytime any sort of media i'd have to not listen to media at all and if it's not that it's the it's the um it's the barack obama commercials john Oswald, my friend john Oswald. literally that's what he said my friend go home and vote for my friend john Oswald. he's always he's gonna make sure that you have a you know affordable it, state uh college has he just, has he cut any ads for warnock yeah like the same oh, okay. ad okay. okay just with more saying just right. replace the name my friend <laughs> so it could be it could be anybody. My just, buddy, right? My my friend uh, Joseph Epstein. My friend Karen with the hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, before you get into the ads, I am curious as to you know, obviously the 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 civic groups and and you know the the campaigns are counting heavily on the metro area the greater metro area to really turn out to mm-hmm. you know give these guys a fighting chance put them over the top so you know i know we're all distancing now but just in conversations or your what's your sense of i'm curious about what's your sense of whether it is what's the mood i guess that are black people uh aware of this race does it seem like yeah, they're yeah. tuned in or are they people excited about it or how, do, how what's the temperature i don't know i don't know about the the temperature all i can say is it's i've never seen a, a race be you know this long and so pervasive like you can't turn on media like it's either a negative ad for one side positive ad for the other and then they flip-flop it yeah so, so but then if you turn off the television now you turn on your podcast and barack obama's talking to you or well, if you go on YouTube to watch a video now, now you know there's a negative. I mean, they're advertising this stuff on YouTube. Every form of media you can think of is, if it's a commercial ad, one of those is coming up. That's why. Yeah. That's why 250 million does not surprise me um, at all. And that was that just on the Democrat side, or that's total. That yeah, that was they said by the by the time it gets to the runoff in January, it'll probably be close to. Uh, half a billion dollars so it's they, both sides are expected to spend about 200 250 on this thing which is insane i mean i listen to different podcasts and everything but no matter what like i guess they have a deal with with um with itunes mm-hmm. you know to, to broadcast that to, right they're that targeting area. you as a listener so they know yeah now i've, ne- I've never mistakenly gotten conservative ads so they know right that, they know who you are and you know they look they got all your your little demographic history so 
that's uh so you you get a chance to talk to your neighbors or your neighbors folks that you have you know what no one really had i haven't ridden around my subdivision in a while i kind of live closer to the entrance Mm -hmm. to see whether there's political um signs on people's lawns but yeah i haven't really talked much i think it's just you know what doesn't have to be said is already understood or whatever people like it's i don't think people are pretending you know what they're gonna do um like if you're a democrat you're expected to do one thing if you're republican you're expected to do the opposite yeah and, right and really and i find the advertising on the conservative side to be a little bit more um more uh, archaic and and you know you know, white supremacy, white authority mm-hmm. to run everything uh, sort of deal. Uh, yeah, because they don't have any ideas to run on except that idea of white supremacy, right? I mean, they're, they're, I mean they're portraying, you know, David Perdue. Uh, and so one of the ads, they almost had him looking like John Wayne. Oh. And uh, <laughs> like how you would, uh, you know, imagine him to appear like that. That look on his face with eyes are squinting, you know, mouth open, maybe a quarter of the way. With the cigarette. You see one, you, you see like maybe the top or the bottom row of teeth. Yeah. You don't see both. And he's just, you know, whatever. And all cavalier in a jean jacket. But um, the us versus them, like, <laughs> excuse me. Bless you. I usually would mute that. But um, I was in the middle of talking. Um, the us versus them ad was really, really conservative and pervasive. It said, it's us versus them. Like, what the hell is that? That's. You know, that, I mean, it was like, you got to vote for, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Leffler and Purdue, because you were going to have AOC, Schumer, and Ossoff in the, um, in Washington. And uh, it's you know right now it's us or them. Well, that that's the essence of it, right? Who's whose ad is that? I, I don't have to look that up because that's basically what their what their campaigns, their platform boils down to is you know uh, whites versus non-white, you know, mm-hmm. and they want to they want to say you know they use AOC and I don't know why they don't just say it like, <laughs> right to uh... right for the sake of white hegemony. And there's even an article about, there's a lot of Californians moving to, that's why they're all moving to Georgia. <laughs> they're gonna store their liberal, uh, <laughs> liberal policies. Mm, it's like, I, I, I certainly wish, and I've said this before, that the um, Democrats were in fact as liberal as the, I mean, they're, they're the, they're anything but the radical left. They're like the, um, you know, the medium rare middle. <laughs> right. Uh, the medium well. Uh, is anything, but um, that's um, all I can say about that is um, that yeah, you know, maybe you're you're right. They should just. They're they're they they're going right up to that line, and basically, you know, without basically saying, "Look, this is a 
vote for the white people to keep the non-whites out of power. That's what their campaign idea boils down to, right? Um, you know, when they talk about Californians and liberal policies, um, most most conservatives can't even tell you what quote-unquote liberal policies are. All they know is, oh, uh, you know, liberals want abortion on demand. And that's that's it. You know, they wouldn't take Christ out of out of school or something like that. You know, Christ has been out of school, but that's what they think the policies are. They don't they're not even informed enough to tell you what the liberal policies are. If they knew what the actual liberal policies are, when you present it to them uh, without, you know, labeling it a liberal policy, you just describe it. They're all for it. Do you think that the rich should pay more in taxes, their fair share? Do you think, you know, the rich should pay uh, less in taxes than uh, middle class people pay? No, they don't. Do you think, um, you know, um, do you think that, you know, climate change is man-made? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a slight majority, but they're coming around to that idea even. Should something be done about it? Yeah, they they agree on that. Um, you know, should something be done about slight majority or minority? Uh, slight majority. Okay. now um, admit the most. You know, a slight majority of the base admit that climate change man-made um, or probably is man-made. So you know, different things like that. Um, you know, they. Should we protect American jobs? Yeah, they, they, yes, they think so. Should we invest in jobs of the future? Yes, yes, we should. So that is, you know, so it's, is such a canard that they want to, you know, talk about, oh, AOC and, you know, what, whatever they think she means. I guess she means, like I said, the takeover of non whites over whites. So they use her as a boogeyman and rely and white on- man's job. Yeah, and they rely on their uh, voters to be uh, uneducated and ignorant about what quote-unquote liberal policies actually are. So we were getting into um, the inundation. Uh, poor Buck's being, uh, he's hes barely keeping his head above water in a sea of political ads um, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars at this point. Up $300 million or more has been spent by both sides on uh campaign ads and they're just what you got another month to go was the election on the seventh yep okay so where's the third seventh or ninth seventh i guess i thought it was seventh right but um it's so you got a little less than a month to go but hang in there buck did you all see i either of you all see the uh at that um, Warnock does with the beagle he's walking. Yeah, I've seen the that. dog shit. The yeah. dog shit ad. Yes, the dog shit ad. Fantastic. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> I mean, the timing on it is impeccable when he pauses to toss uh, the. Uh... Even you guys have seen those ads. Oh my God. I'm getting Warnock Ossoff ads in my Twitter feed. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I you know, like fun, ra- like fundraising. You know, they, they, yeah, no, they're fundraising it, and the ads being shared on online and all that. 
So that one was really well done. I thought that was nice. I meant to bring that up with you guys a couple weeks ago. But I'm on YouTube just scrolling through Warnock for Georgia. Apparently I'm on his, um, you know, looking through all the uh, ads he's posted to his YouTube account. And he's got some good ones. Whoever his ad team was, they're top notch. Hey, you're getting paid 300 mil. It better be. I guess so. So no, he got the A team. They got him like whoever his stylist is. They got him looking good. You know whether he's in the suit or the casual man with the the button down. Looks, looks like a lavender button down, tucked into the jeans and the. You and think the, maybe he might have went to a uh, image consultant? He might have. He might have. He might have. Uh, he might have hired. Happens to be based in Atlanta. Yeah, he might have hired an, one Atlanta-based uh, image <laughs> consultant known for his razor sharp razor sharp ten stripe suits we don't know <laughs> so but no they they i mean these these are just really slick and in the best you know and i mean that in the best possible sense he looks great uh they got him sounding great they got the lighting right and they're well written so My, i really wish you could really go in in an honest way uh, uh combating those Warnock is anti-military. Wouldn't um, it be? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, commercials. If he could just because go off. he could say like, "Hey, black people have served in every single war without as kind of leftless family participating in every single war. Probably not, especially right. if they're the Ellis Island crew. So, <laughs> you know, but he can't go in like that. Yeah, right. No, you can never do that as a black politician, but... Um, be completely honest. I would love to see him, right, just be... His father, it was a World War II vet. Oh, okay. Wow. Like, come on. Oh, Save yeah. You. No, they, they love to have it both ways. As a matter of fact, I just... Side note, side story, uh, was on the phone with my dad earlier this evening, and what were we talking about? Um, we somehow got on the subject of... Charles Drew and Daniel Hale Williams. I don't know what we were talking about, but we often talk about Black history. And so we got on that subject, and I, I, I assume, I assume it's pop quiz time that one or both, at least one <laughs> or both of you know who those people are. Yes. Charles Drew. Yes. And Daniel Hale Williams. I don't know. Remind us. Okay, um, so we know Charles Drew as the uh, black man who, the black doctor, MD and DR, uh, who uh, invented the, uh, the plasma, uh, the ability to store plasma. So uh, you could do blood transfusions, right? And uh, Dan- Is he also Tuskegee? Um... He was, uh, that's a good question. I will have to look that up. Um, his daughter's still alive, though. Just FYI. So I found that interesting. But um, so Charles Drew uh, invented the process by which you could do a complete a blood transfusion, which saves a ton of lives, right? Um, and he, uh, let me see, and Daniel Hale Williams is the also black doctor that is responsible for the first open heart surgery. Oh, wow. First successful open heart surgery. And so, um, you know, I'm just Googling like that. From, uh, Johns Hopkins? Uh, no. Um, 
you know, these guys, uh, Charles Drew was born in 1904, died in 1950. You know what he died from? What, needing a blood transfusion or something? Yes. He died from being denied a blood transfusion because he was black. Isn't that wild? Anyway, like, set, set your outrage aside for a minute if you can, because it is just... It's over the top, but um, Daniel Hill Williams uh, founded the first black-owned hospital in America and performed the world's first successful uh, heart surgery in 1893. It does not say uh, Williams is from uh, Hollidaysburg, PA, Mm. Um, but no, he's associated with Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Um, neither of them associated with uh, John Hopkins, but um, but where I was going with that is that so I went down a rabbit hole of looking at all these black inventors, you know, Garrett Morgan, Granville T. Woods, uh, Vivian Thomas, like just all these, you know, black um, inventors and, and and scholars and whatnot in the field of medicine and engineering, um, those blue collar mechanical engineers. But all engineers, uh, all engineers, all doctors, blue okay. collar work. Okay, you just then reclassified everybody. <laughs> okay, how's it? How's a doctor? Oh, gosh, let's not go down this rabbit hole again. I'm not letting that one go. Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna be doctors and engineers are blue collar jobs. Those okay. are blue collar jobs. Okay, and so, um, so go down a rabbit hole. And if you put in like first successful heart surgery, first successful open heart surgery, that belongs to daniel hale williams 1893 but of course i i right wow is right but of course in if you google that there's an art there's a couple articles come up that the first uh successful heart surgery was done in 1902 by a white man in in alabama so point being was you know that's a side note to just say they will rewrite history uh all they can you know you can you can be responsible for all these wonderful things and contributions in America and they'll just rewrite it whenever they get ready. So, you know, all of the, the fact that all of us, you know, these, you know, black citizens in America, we have, most of our families have tons of military service represented, but they just discount that when they get ready. You know, it's important when it's, when it's them doing it and when it's us doing it, it's like, oh, screw you. Negro with your father who served in World War II. Who cares? Anyway, I just was kind of outraged by the fact that somebody's trying to rewrite history to say that the first successful open heart surgery was done by a white doctor nine years after a black doctor did it. That just galls me. He was just a he was just a helper. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, all right. So the since we were on the topic of uh. Warnock, I do just want to segue real quick to um, something that I've been watching, you know, that we've been having this ongoing debate uh, on the left about who Biden is putting in his cabinet, right? And last time we talked about this was the night he announced that he was um, nominating the general for Secretary of Defense. And uh, tonight I happened to have uh, Al Sharpton show on in the background while I was doing some work. And they had the new chair of the, uh, of the CBC. And she is, um, she is, I forget who the old chair of the CBC was. 
Um, but now it is, it's no longer Karen Bass. It is this woman. Um, I don't know. I can't find her. But anyway, she was on Sharpton's show tonight. And they're still, you know, CBC claims they're still working with Biden to make sure there's more representation in his cabinet. I thought he had named everybody. So I'm like, who else is there to, who else Attorney is there General. Okay, Attorney General. Who did I say? They, I saw he's considering um, Sally Yates. Sally Yates, Andrew Cuomo, and Doug Jones. And, and, um, who's the black guy he's considering? Oh, Jay Johnson? No, not Jay. Um, slipping my mind right now. I want to say Eric Holder, but it can't be Eric. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so, you know, they're making, you know, it's all about this. Oh, we're going to push in to make sure we're represented and da 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 and all this talk, yada, 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 rah, rah, rah. And so uh, Sharpton asked her, his last question was, okay, so, you know, you've got a bigger Black caucus now, right? Because you've added some folks um, to uh, Black folks to Congress, which is, you know, ostensibly a good thing. And he said, okay, so with the new caucus you got, who or what are you going, what are your priorities going to be? What policy do you want to see, you know, pushed? What what policy is the CBC going to be trying to get behind? And I, uh, I'll open it up to you guys if you want to guess what she said, but I'm curious to what you think she said and what you would like for her answer to, to have been. Well, why don't you go first? And by the way, um, the yes, new the new top of the CBC is Representative Joyce Beatty of Ohio. Sorry. Oh, from Columbus. Yeah. Oh, her husband is a oh so well. So she's a she's an ancient cycler. She there's all this uh, property that she's involved in a scandal having to do with property mm. and it, uh, contracts yeah. that were just awarded to her because of her acts of her and her husband so. that uh that actually makes a lot of sense after you know after I watched her I'd never seen or heard of her just watching her for a few minutes I told you guys uh can you guys hear me yes yes we can okay, just wanted to make sure um I was gonna you know, answer your your question yeah yeah so what you- I, I would say that they would probably say something that's um very, they want something that, that'll be, amount to something symbolic, something really <laughs> won't change anything, uh, something that probably puts more money in their pockets personally. Um, that's probably what was said, but what I would like is something that, that benefits, you know, um, foundational Black Americans. That would be great in a real substantive way. Um, you know, look out for us as a as a protected group. Um, you know, putting resources in our pockets if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, getting holding law enforcement very accountable um, for their fuckery. But um, yeah, that's that's my answer on that. All right, and what uh, <laughs> I love how you described. <laughs> What you, what you think she said was just what uh, things that amount to symbolic nothingness. Yeah, 
that was well well put. Um, Cephas, you want to weigh in? No, I I don't think I think knowing if if it's her and her answering the question, she's a pure politician. So nothing controversial coming out of her mouth. Nothing that's addressing what the big push and concern was. Not even not even police reform. That's not even going, I, I can't even imagine that coming out of her, even though it would make sense if it did. Yep. Her, I can't imagine that coming out of out of her, her mouth, the list of priorities is going to be. LBGT or, or immigrants or something. <laughs> she won't even say that. She Maybe she would, but it's people of color, it's language like that. Mm. Not black, well, but is there no people of color in the Congressional Black Caucus? It's not in their title. Right. But right. I'm sure that's what is going to be mentioned in this. Um, I can't find the, uh, I wanted to play the clip for you guys tonight because I was astonished. Like I said, I had never heard of Joyce Beatty and boy, was I disappointed. It, it essentially amounted to just what Buck said. She said, oh, you know, our priorities are uh, COVID-19 and making sure black people, you know, get the uh, vaccine and addressing, you know, um, healthcare for African-Americans and, you know, uh, um, she didn't, she was talking about police reform, but she didn't, she didn't use that expression. And yes, it was all just milk toast, banal platitudes. And I was so disappointed. I was, I was crestfallen because I'm like, that is not, that's, if that's our leadership, we are, we are not getting, we're not getting anything out of this next term of Congress. I don't know how. I don't know how she got to be leader of the CBC, but that is not a good look. Con- congressional Black Talkers, as uh, <laughs> Professor Black Truth says. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. I'm see if I, I'm trying to find the clip because her answer to that question was stunning in just how hollow it was, and how tone deaf it was, and how it didn't speak to anything that Black people need of all the things that the community needs and all the 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 issues and crises that we are facing right now that came to light that bubbled to the surface with the protests all summer long and this woman still couldn't bring herself to name like one specific thing that the cbc would be focused on to improve the lives of rank and file black people it was very sad she's a bought and paid for that the way that she avoided fallout from uh from that scandal she's um somebody somebody has her back mm. and told her what and what not to say that tells me that's how she got that job i mean for her to come behind karen bass i guess maybe karen bass didn't do that great a job either but uh karen bass and cedric richmond i guess were the last cbc chairs but why is the cbc so doggone Inept. Ugh, when have they ever been at, in, not non-inept? I know, but that's what when I'm you look at the caucus, the caucuses for other groups, they explicitly say what they're doing, right? For their people, 
Right. And that's what I couldn't. I was just the Latino caucus in their mission statement. I was astonished that she didn't have anything. She didn't have a real answer to that question. It's really sad. So I don't know where things are headed. You know, then you got that. You couple that with I don't know if you guys saw it, but somebody leaked the audio from uh, uh, a meeting with Joe Biden last week and intercept. Okay. Intercept leaked it. And he's going on and on about how he doesn't want to use executive orders to um, do good in the world because that's not how, you know, policy is supposed to be implemented or enacted. Okay, fine, is, sure. I mean, is he in the Senate still or he's coming? Sounds, sounds like he's coming at this from a perspective of, of a senator. He is. He very much is. And that's what it sounded like was like, no, it needs to be, you know, a bill that passes the House and passes the Senate and comes to my desk ready for signature. And I'm not going to do executive orders because what's to stop, you know, if I ban assault rifles with by executive order, what's to stop the next guy from coming in and, and issuing an EO that says everybody can have a machine gun? And uh, so I said, oh, there, there goes our 50 grand in student debt that that uh, folks were trying to get waived. So if he's anti-EO and the CBC is, you know, just going to make sure that nothing happens like always. Right. That, that nothing happens like always, then, you know, this is a, this, I'm, I'm disappointed. Uh, this has been a real letdown already. And, you know, I, I have to admit that I don't know what else black folks can do, but to consider withholding their vote. Yeah. And, you know, throwing your vote to the Green Party or, or somebody, but not to Democrats, if that's how, that's what they're going to do. So. And in sports. Chicago Lowly. Cubs. Time out. Yeah, I mean the Bears. Uh-huh. Uh, Time out. Beat the Texans. And you know what, Karen? That should that's a referendum on <laughs> us being disappointed on you being disappointed in Mitchell Trubisky. He beat Deshaun Watson head up. You know, that's although, what, you know, for the first, you know, he outplayed him. That's what I was gonna ask you. I was like, what was Deshaun Watson sick? Was he, he Well was their out, team has been out their team has been awful this year. No, really. Just there, yeah, they, you know, um, Bill O'Brien just got fired. He was the head coach and the GM. And he was kind of asleep at the wheel. Like letting his um, interpersonal relationships with certain players and everything influence his judgment um, over doing what's best for the team. But what was like, I guess, best certain player name, their best JJ White. Well, not just J.J. Watt, but um, the receiver. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I can see his face. He's a guy from Clemson. Come on, Cephas. Number 10. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Arizona. Um, uh, receiver? Yes. DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Oh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Let him get traded. So let him. That's why he was traded. 
Yeah, he actively he he did the trading. <laughs> He's the one that got him out of town since uh, Bill O'Brien, the head coach, couldn't deal with um, Hopkins, the player. Told the GM, told Bill O'Brien, the GM, to trade him. You said he's from Arizona. He no, he's at Arizona. That's where he got traded. Oh, I thought you said you said. I thought I heard you say he's from Arizona. Sort of confused. I thought you were talking about the Honey Badger. No, 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 no. No, Honey Badger is not from Arizona. It's a safety. Where's he from? From right. He went to Arizona. No, he went to Arizona. He went to LSU. Played a uh, corner or whatever, and then switched to safety in the NFL. But at any rate, um, so I thought that Karen, I thought it was interesting. I thought Karen would, would be happy and reassured that the Bears made the right. They, they picked the right QB. Yeah, I feel better. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I totally read the headline because it came across. Uh, I got a push notification about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bears lost. You were happy. You said the big, the big 7 pierogi. to 36. And then I was like, oh, wait, that says the other way Mitchell, around. Mitchell Trubisky, the big pierogi. Mm-hmm. AKA the big pierogi. Yeah, broken clock. Go. Broken clock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well. And in, um, in other NFL news, you guys see that young guy Jalen Hurts uh, for the Eagles got his first win against the New Orleans Saints, the best defense in the league. Uh, Jalen passed for you know just about sixty percent. Had a touchdown and and uh, really and really moved the ball. The team, the Eagles have have been playing like for uh, people don't know have been playing like shit all season with Carson Wentz as the quarterback and the team that just doesn't seem to respond to Carson. I've, there's been rumors that people think he's um, egotistical, uh, doesn't you know, can't accept criticism, you know, that much or, you know, any kind of advice because he knows everything. But well, he's um, white and he says so, so. But I think, you know what? I think that, I think the pressure is, is, is getting to him. Northeast, Northeastern city. I mean, he's from North Dakota. Dakota. So the media pressure is, uh, got to be crazy for him. You, you know, think that's I'm, a real? Is that a real thing? You think? Yeah, man. Yeah, yo, those fa- yo, you cannot the the media and everything in those northeastern cities for professional sports. You cannot get away with shit. Like you're playing, if you're playing bad. They do not spare your feelings. And, right, but uh, how how be like piranha. do you think they actually? I mean, other than like the uh, press conferences after the game or in the locker room, like yeah, and then nobody's the nobody's. And, right but nobody's reading their their press in the local newspaper anymore like you know i feel like it that that would probably be easy to ignore but maybe it's not uh, what do i know i've never been a world-class athlete so yeah i mean he might be a little more sensitive you never know but you may ignore it you may ignore reading it but you know that you know that uh the press travels with the team um they're they're there every day taking notes and interviewing they're asking them questions in every press conference that they do at least at least twice a week certainly more than that but at least twice a week the quarterback would be doing an interview mm-hmm. so i mean he, he yeah i mean i mean he is lucky that they don't have crowds 
Because they would be getting booed <laughs> yeah, out, of, yeah, out of right. South Philadelphia. And I get they that. They would booed mercilessly right. Right. if they had crowds this year. And they but probably would have had to make the change earlier than now. But is that really a big deal? I get booed at work every day. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Just About 60,000 60, people? Mm-hmm. What it feels like. Okay. okay. <laughs> you Skype, Skype room. Only fans. Skype room full of, <laughs> full of, <laughs> full of folks <laughs> booing. Um, no. Um, okay. No, I just always wonder because you always hear that, oh, the media pressure. And I'm like, come on. Like, I think they're real. You think, with, you think they may not read the papers, but they are definitely, the media lives. They're embedded with the teams. They travel with the team. They're there every day taking notes. I get that part, but uh, there's also a part where... The national media is bashing them. Yeah, but nobody... But don't pay attention to that. Don't turn on ESPN. Don't, you know... Ego. They're driven by ego and competition. That's what I... They know know everything that Stephen A. Smith says about them. I guess that's what I'm kind (laughs) of getting at is like my ego... If I was a professional athlete, right? I'm in the elite you rank. Will be, you would be sensitive to shit. That, would I be sensitive would, or would yeah, I be like... everyone's telling you how great you are. Would I be like... Pros. Right. And so in your head, you're like, I'm great. I don't care what you say. Uh, Fuck off. No, about that. No, you need the, need the acknowledgement. I mean, the right. The reinforcement is nice if you can get it. But just because you can't get it for a season or two, that shouldn't yeah, break, pro, break pro you down. Sports, yeah, pro sports humbles you. Okay. <laughs> at some point in your career I mean uh, it's just like an actors you don't see actors like succumbing to media pressure they get, yeah, but they're not, actors, they're not, they're actors not aren't athletes they're no. not professional competitors think of how Michael Jordan athletes professional athletes are competitive over any and anything and they just want to win everything they do that's their main right well that's kind of what I'm getting at is like take a Michael Jordan right <sighs> he just got absolutely uh, just derided um, pretty bad. Like, you know, the press was respectful at a, you know, in a sense, because it still was Michael Jordan they were talking about. But when he went to the Sox those two seasons, oh my God, they were they were not kind. And, you know, it was a lot of harsh assessments of his baseball ability um, said yeah, in he, print. Yeah, but he's not expected to be, you know, the greatest not the greatest but he was expected to be michael jordan and he wasn't Uh, not on the baseball diamond and so you know what that's what yeah well um i'm not so sure you know keep in mind i was here and i was actually reading the press and you know seeing the stories every day like we follow that really i I would not give a shit what people thought about me with with baseball that's my point that was he ever called up to the majors though i thought no 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 he wasn't um, no, he was no good. Like, you know, not that he's not a great athlete, but no, he he was not up to snuff for He said he's uh, actually pretty decent for someone. Yeah, who- right. He is right. He is he was decent for someone who wasn't a professional <laughs> baseball player. But that's what I'm getting at is like, you know, I'm sure that bothered him that he wasn't excelling in baseball at the same level he excelled at in basketball or, you know, relatively speaking. But he never forgot that he was Michael goddamn Jordan. Karen, have you ever played a sport competitively? Yes. This is my, I've known you for more than half my life and I've not heard 
That's because you don't listen. Uh, I talk about my I talk about my three weeks in hopscotch in the church league. The uh the the high school varsity um uh badminton team all the time, <laughs> but you never listen. <laughs> You don't listen, so it's not the first time I've mentioned it. I was on the badminton team, varsity too. See, you don't listen. You don't listen. You should listen to me sometimes. Anyway, so yes, I have played competitively. You come on, you don't, you can't see from this podcast, if nothing else, how competitive I am. I hate to lose. I hate to be wrong. I hate not to be right. I hate not to people, people not to bend to my will. I'm a total little dictator. That's, that's not the same thing. That's pot. Okay, I mean, yes, it's not the same thing, but I, I understand being competitive. That's all I'm getting at. Like, like for, like for example, I, was I also watching, understand having a an, an enormous ego. Like, like I was watching uh, Club Shay Shay, which is, um, <laughs> which <laughs> is uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast. Oh. Okay, and he had Gilbert Arenas. He's a. Wait, is it really called Club Shay Shay? Yes, it's really called Club Shay Shay. At any rate, he's had he had Black and Miles and Hennessy. He had hold on, he had a um an interview. He does. You know, this is uh it, let, those let are his me, props. Okay. See, no, I love can it. I can I sorry, 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 go. He had um, I need you. I'll interrupt you hold again. Hold on, man. Yeah, but you're interrupting the flow of the whole thing. What he was saying. Yes, like to, to, to give you to give you an idea of pressure like he's a i don't know probably 80 90 probably 90 percent free throw shooter and in a game he said that lebron told him specifically um he said you know what's going to happen if you miss these two free throws right it was towards the end of a game to to put it in context and they would have lost the game and he's like a 90 some percent free throw shooter like no that means you hardly ever miss you miss two back to back from LeBron, just that little bit of pressure. So these guys are under a lot of pressure. And then for to, to have pressure from the outside, I can see how how somebody will will play bad or fold. Okay. It takes it right. takes a lot to be a Tom Brady or a Michael Jordan or a you know. Yeah, it takes an enormous it, it takes an enormous ego and and belief in self. And I'm surprised that. But not everybody. That's why it's only one or two of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Who they are. Okay. That's that's fair. I'm just so. saying, like, if I was a uh, if I was good enough to be elite at that rank, I think I'd have a little bit more fortitude than mm-hmm. what you are giving Carson Wentz. But, um, so, okay, that's 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 fair. I was just curious since you mentioned it. But, oh, and I guess the last thing concerning sports that I'll speak about is uh did you guys see uh see Mahomes today against the Dolphins? Mm-mm. Man, he had he had three interceptions today. Mm. But they still the game was they only won by I think six points. Yep. But um the game was a lot was not as close as that throughout the game. I and mean, they were up by probably twenty some points at one point. Mm-hmm. And they turned over the ball three or four times. Which is incredible to me that they can do that. Because usually, if you um, you might as well chalk it up as a loss. That's a great offensive coordinator right there. Turn up, if you turn over the ball that many times, I mean, it doesn't. That's great play. offensive coordinating. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach, but if he was white, he'd have been off. The, in fact, he might even have a Super Bowl ring if he was white, because he'd have been um, he'd have been off the team before last year. 
he already been hired as a detective somewhere else. But um, well, hopefully the chief's offensive through. coordinator. Yeah. All right. But um, but yeah, it seems like there's not a lead that they can't. Um, you think he'd rather keep uh, keep coaching uh, the offense for that's headed by Mahomes, or would he rather have his own team? No, have his own team. I mean, okay. that's, the, that's the ultimate thing for a coach. I mean, if you think about it, see this, if you think about this, most Super Bowl winning teams, you know, three phases of football. There's special teams, offense, and defense. Most Super Bowl winners, if you notice, are good at two out of three of the phases and at least solid in the third phase. And um, and that's a, that's the thing with uh, what got Kansas City to, to win last year. I mean, they were good on special teams and excellent on offense, and they just had a, a okay, solid defense. Now, you can't be horrible in any phase, you know, um, in order to have a great team. Like if you could be, you can be like historic in one phase of the game and just make the playoffs. Like for example. The 1990 Eagles, overwhelmingly historically great defense, but their offense and special teams, yeah, you know, um, especially the offense was much to be desired. So yeah, that's uh, sort of the story of my team. Defense gets them to the playoffs, and then you know, there's nowhere to go. You gotta have, you gotta have it all. Right. Like right. you, you have to, you can, you gotta have two out of the three. Yep. And if you have and be just solid in the other one, and that's the team that you or the two teams that usually face each other in the Super Bowl are usually the teams that have accomplished that. You know, most teams only are good at one phase. Some are not good at any of them. You know, hence they have a shitty record. But uh, even look at uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, they only have lost one, but they're they have a great defense. They're above average on offense. And they're, you know, I don't know really know how they rank in special teams, but you know, I think that that whole thing holds true if you're going to get um, to a certain level, yeah, in, in and around football. Would you agree? Would you agree with that, Cephas? Or I would like to talk about Club Shay Shay. Oh, I'm kidding. No. You're right. I'm just joking <laughs> with you. You're right. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, that's a hilarious name. Um, but okay, that's uh, yeah. Like I said, I I've seen that that dynamic play out, like my entire football sports fan career with the team that I my hometown team. So we always have one phase and the burn the burn speed. Yeah, and, and never never any other. Yeah, like like think about this, you guys. You guys went to Super Bowl, case in point. Uh, great defense. Uh, historically. Great, historically. Great, well, hold on. Great special teams. Historically. But a kind of shitty offense the last time you went. Right. With, with Rex Grossman. Oh, God. So you, so you, you lost. Don't even say that name. Don't even say that name. Yep, we win Georgia. We save America. 
Wow. What was he saying? That he's he said we saved Georgia. We right. saved America. But was he saying that <laughs> who's going to take health care away with the Supreme? The liberals. So, uh, that's what um, oh my God. he was saying. The liberals are going to take away your health care. So you don't want to see that happen. Oh, my God. Wow. That is stunning because. Stop as socialism. Every... Stop. Oh, here's another one. Stop socialism. Stop Olsoff. And they show Bernie Sanders in the backdrop. Jews. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God. Literally, the Trump administration oh, is suing to dismantle health care, the ACA, and the liberals are going to take away health care. Wow. That is just, that's stunning to me. I mean, just up is down, black is white you know cats and dogs i mean if you don't, it, it, i mean honestly if you don't have um probably a good government or union backed health care mm-hmm. your your um employee plan is probably pretty leaves much to be desired exactly still the best, your the best stuff i've ever had the best insurance i've ever had is still with a part-time position with ups mm-hmm. that till this day to this day yes it's still the best health care I've had that mean. and the easiest to, to use and, and feel like I got the most benefit being not educated for anything was UPS part time through, through the union through the union yes. you, dues, you know and all that stuff but or if you have some sort of you know government backed health care either through you know being in the military and all that sort of thing. Like or, all the gay um, benefits. Like all the people with COVID in uh the White House. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, taxpayers pay for their hundred thousand dollar interferon treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So before we uh wrap uh with sports all together, um uh, a question for you either of you. Did either of you ever collect um uh, trading cards when you were a kid? I did yep. a little bit. Not, not, you know, too intense. I had like one little booklet of, you know, probably five or six pages full of cards. Some of them were nobody. They are mostly basketball cards. Basketball, actually. okay. All right. What about like the team? baseball cards from probably fourth grade is <laughs> when I really started until uh, probably sixth grade, seventh grade. That uh, it, do you all still have them? Any chance? I, I my little brothers told me that they had them somewhere. Mm. They were hoarding them, so yeah, you I don't, go. but they probably do. Yeah, I gotta dig those out. Let's, dig those out. Hmm? Cephas, did you know that uh, Jalen Hurts was a kid? Hold on, we're not. Well, right, wait. Talking about fucking up clothes, motherfucker. <laughs> no, we can talk about Jalen Hurts because I have a I have uh, uh, some for that too. But okay, so he's a Q, and and what about it? No, no, he threw a touchdown pass. He threw it up. Oh, okay. All right. Um, not uh, um, the cards. Not not DeAndre. Can I can I take an aside yeah, from the ahead. cards? Okay. Um, DeAndre Hopkins' mother survived a violent acid attack and is blind from it. Did yeah. you know that? Yep, I knew yeah. that. I didn't know that. All his career. I mean, okay. this is before he went pro. Right, was right. It, when did it happen when he was in college? Oh, no, it happened 10, when he was 10. He was, he was a child. Yeah, um, she's the mother of four, single mother of four children, and um, 
his father passed away in a car accident when he was two and she's been raising the family alone and it says combating abusive relationships to make ends meet and I'm just looking at a picture of her because this is something I didn't know because you know I don't even hardly know well, you, you want to you know a story about that I can tell you the story about it what happened was apparently her uh, guy she was dealing with well, I don't know if it was an abusive relationship but he was uh, he was cheating on her Mm-hmm. And then when she confronted the other woman, the other woman threw the acid in her face. Yeah, that's, that's what it says, right? As a, a jealous mm-hmm. woman. And it was... Toxic femininity. <laughs> no, it's toxic masculinity because he shouldn't have been cheating. Because I'm looking at her. This is a gorgeous woman. And I'm like, I could totally see, you know somebody being jealous that's a move of her of an ugly person right that's this ugly person well, no, 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 well i'm just saying it's 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 this is a woman that would be easy to be jealous of if she looks anything like what she probably looked like as a young woman i mean she's a, a complete brick house and you know looks like she got indian hair and all that just a, a gorgeous woman right I, i'm joking about the indian hair bit but a gorgeous woman and um, I can imagine it was very hard for her to find a good relationship because when you're good looking like that, you just get hit on by all kinds of lames, left and right. Everybody and they and they dad takes a shot at you. And, you know, for a woman who's got to make ends meet with four kids and, you know, you just you got to deal with who you got to deal with sometimes must have been tough. But anyway, I didn't know that. So I just found that interesting. So uh, Jalen Hurts is a Q and DeAndre Hopkins' mom survived a violent acid attack, which I didn't know. All right, so back to the cards. Uh, so basketball, baseball, um, we tried to collect some. And my brother was into it more. He played Little League baseball, so he collected some baseball cards, but um, we never really, other than a, we do have a, um, he probably has it, which I need to steal it from him next time. I get a chance to uh we have a Minnie Minoso signed baseball because my mom was friends with Minnie's last wife uh they worked together so um Minnie Minoso which is the great uh Sox player if, if uh, you guys aren't familiar he passed away uh, a couple years ago he's a uh, Cuban and he was fine when he was young um Lord have mercy, the early pictures of uh, of Minnie. But Minnie Minoso, this old, like, Major League Baseball player, not old, but former Major League Baseball player, we used to go to his house and spend the night on the weekends, and he would cook for us, and he was a fabulous cook. But anyway, we have a baseball signed by him. But I don't know if my brother still has any cards, but I bring it up because... Uh, if you hold on to those things, you never know what they turn out to be worth. Uh, there is um, a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. That's the first hockey card to cost more than a million dollars. It got a million uh, thirty-two thousand at auction recently. So invest in that and Bitcoin. <laughs> what do either of you remember what your best cards were? Are your most uh, notable? Yeah, I had a lot of rookie cars. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody, anybody you remember? 
any names stand yeah. out? Basketball, I had all the uh, I had ex-rookie card. I had Penny Hardaway's rookie. Oh, okay. I had um, a bunch of them. I had black guys from that era. Um, baseball, I had um, Ken Griffey's rookie cards. Hmm. Okay. I had um, Bobby Bonilla, Bonilla rookies. Hmm. Football, um, what was the brother played for who died? Um, played for Arizona. Frank Go. But who am I talking about? Are you talking about the, the guy who went to the military? No, no, no. This is well before that, man. When we were kids, he died of um in a car accident. Remember? I don't remember. Defensive lineman. Was he uh you was he you said baseball or football? Football player. From Arizona? I think it was Arizona. For Arizona. Or the Chiefs. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. You're talking about no, you you Chiefs. You, you, you're talking about Derek Thomas play outside linebacker. Yeah, Derek Thomas. Yeah, Derek Thomas. I had his rookie card. I had uh those are the ones I can remember. I had a bunch of them. I had tons of them. I had binders and binders full of cards. Uh well you next time you take a day off, if you can unearth those. Might want to rifle through a few of them. Rookie cards, uh, King Griffey Jr. That, you know. Show me a buyer. Hey. I never found the buyer. I never was able to offload any cards back then. You have to go through an auction house, right? So, I don't know. You know, you can uh, call Sotheby's, ring up Sotheby's, and see what they got to say. So, do people, uh, I guess, you know, you always see the, the older cards that are going for you know these prices but do players still get cards issue does anyone still do that anymore yeah, yeah probably playing cards yeah. okay so it might be something you want to get into with your kids that's something to think about or not yeah or you know uh, my dad tried to get us in the stamp collecting uh he was for anything that anytime like there would be a new headline about something went for a million dollars he was like now we're gonna get into that so stamps playing cards um art found in uh garage sale garage sales like you know remember when um somebody found like a masterpiece or no it's like a copy of the constitution or the bill of rights like pinned to the back of some some painting they bought at a garage sale for like eight bucks and it was like a whole ass original copy of the constitution or something like that and of course it ends up being worth millions so then my dad was like yeah let's get to some of these garage sales uh so he's always chasing like that last big thing but anyway um that that came up so just curious uh, i'm glad to know you guys did playing cards that's such a middle class thing for you guys to have done yeah i had i had you guys hear me yeah I had uh, Reggie Miller's uh, oh. car when he had that box that was kind of lopsided, wherever he had, whatever <laughs> that was, when he was a young player. I remember uh, Kevin Johnson. Uh, I didn't have as many good players as Cephas had. He, he had more disposable income at that time than myself. Very um, I sold drugs. I sold drugs when I was um, <laughs> a fourth grade. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A, a used, wait a minute. A Reggie Miller... God, I don't know what all this uh, abbreviation stuff means, but a 1988 Fleer 
Reggie Miller, 57, PSA 10. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody know what that means? I don't know, no. but it's going, they're going for, one is going for uh, 2,500 and one's going for 3,300 on, on eBay. So there you go. I don't think any of that stuff will be mint condition. That stuff is lost. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Somebody selling your, your, your playing cards on eBay getting rich so um all right you know Cephas if you get a chance to find yours or your brothers can dig it out dig out that book you know do a quick search on eBay you might 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 be surprised all right so hmm? they probably already did and that's why I haven't heard from the one (laughs) yeah very well could be could be the case motherfucker I still love you, bro. I know you might listen, <laughs> um, but <laughs> now it explains itself. <laughs> okay, so um, all right, last. Uh, oh, we we didn't talk about the African countries. So, uh, Buff, you want to introduce that real quick? We'll just spend a couple minutes on that. We cannot hear you. Yeah, and you're messing up the flow. Flow is fine, Buck. Anyways, um, (laughs) like I was trying to say, uh, the the African countries, uh, mostly mostly 54 of them, uh, have outperformed the developed countries as far as um, you know all sorts of measures of um, development and growth and everything economic growth yeah economic growth have outpaced uh, most of our developed western countries um, I mean that's obviously that's due to COVID we know that it took COVID to slow down white supremacy enough so I was going to say like so what does that mean when it you know we can only compute compete when they stop competing stop <laughs> sabotaging us long enough to uh well, it uh, this is a, a headline in Bloomberg opinion, and also a testament to also a testament to China and Asia's influence, and then buying up all of those interests in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a real testament to. It says, um, when all was said and done in 2020, African economies will have outperformed the rest of the world during the coronavirus pandemic. Africa's 54 countries now include seven of the globe's 10 fastest growing economies, which is, if I just focus on that right there, that last bit, that's really music to my, you know, would-be economist ears. Uh, that is a headline I've never seen before, and that that's, that's a wonderful feeling to see that Africa's got seven of the 10 fastest growing economies. I, boy, I hope they can figure out how to keep that up. But it says, goes on to say, the virus may have improved the competitive advantage of these African economies as the pandemic accelerated their transformation into hubs of wireless, remotely engaged commerce. And uh, the seven countries are Ethiopia, which is not really black. Yeah, there I said it. Uganda, Ivory Coast, Egypt, also not really black, Ghana, Rwanda, and Kenya. You know, I just, I have a thing with East Africa. So Rwanda and Kenya, they're East African, aren't they? Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they suspect too. Um, 
it's just I don't know if uh what's the word biologically speaking not biologically speaking that's the wrong word um genetically speaking they're not quite the same as western as Africans from Western Africa so mm, you know it's a different bone structure it's a different hair texture so good for them good for Africa, but hmm. forehead shape, different forehead yeah, size yeah 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 and no I'm not a proponent of uh what is that what is that that's that science of uh head shape determining uh phrenology yeah, yeah, that's not where sounds I sounds like you are. I'm sounds not, like with I know all this that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying that I'm not. But at the same time, nobody listening believes I that. I <laughs> at the same time, well, unlike Carson Wentz, I don't care what the press has to say about me. I know who I am. Um, at the same time, I I can't. I don't champion championing champion things good news for eastern africa the same way i do for western africa because my roots are in western africa so you know that's that's just how i feel about it anyway so those are the seven countries good on them and i hope that they are able to keep it up um oh but uh to your point cephas it says uh the transition to tech driven business is reflected in the 1300 publicly traded companies that make up corporate africa that's interesting. I might be interested in like finding an African stock exchange and buying a few shares of something or other. Uh, communications firms are up 29% uh, of the total market cap of the continent in 2020 from 13% 10 years ago. And materials and energy, which is where China invested a lot of uh, their, their resources, is down uh, to 23%, down from 34% a few years ago. So um, they're diversifying, so that's a that's that's a positive thing, yeah. So maybe the uh, Chinese investment in that continent um, is paying off. Maybe they were able to leverage that capital into something. So good on them. We began it by explaining, oh, it's too bad it had to be done while the rest of the world had been suffering from this pandemic. But hold on, when this first started in March. The place that they said was going to suffer the most was Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it yep. looks like they solved two problems and they are beating this despite COVID-19 because they're not immune to it. No, they're not. They're suffering. They, it affects them too. They've just been able to battle it and handle it. They, they know how to deal with pandemic and illness and virus and and they're clean people. Yeah. You know, unlike others. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I shared with you guys a, a few weeks ago a really nice bit um, that Trevor Noah had put together on why why the, the dire predictions of you know devastation from the pandemic in Africa did not ever materialize because we all remember that right remember when the pandemic first started and the first Negroes was in America saying ha 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 we can't catch it it don't affect us and then we realized that wasn't true and then it was you know everybody said oh my god not only can Rudy, black folks Rudy, catch it after Rudy Gobert got it <laughs> right Rudy Gobert is the first black person everybody saw catch it. <laughs> and after that it was like oh my god it's about to devastate Africa and it didn't it never did and Trevor Noah the whole world is going through this people but it turns out there is one place where they do seem to manage the virus better 
And that place might surprise you because you're racist. When COVID-19 was just starting to sweep the globe, experts predicted Africa would be devastated with millions of lives lost. But six months later, the continent seems to be doing much better than anticipated. The World Health Organization says Africa is leading the world in its overall response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The United States is a country of, uh, of about three, what, 326 million people, right? We have 228,000 people dead. The entire continent of Africa, they have only had 41,000 deaths. Experts cannot explain this. They are baffled as well why the number of cases cumulatively uh, has remained so low compared to the rest of the world. Yes, many people never expected that Africa, of all places, would be able to handle COVID-19. Because you see them now, they're all like, how is Africa so successful at this? I mean, I could understand if, if this was a marathon or carrying stuff on your head contest, but this is a deadly disease. How are they doing it? And first off, that attitude is offensive. And secondly, hell yeah, we'd win a carrying stuff on your head contest. I've always said that it's racist because that's not an Olympic sport. White people get to come and shake a ribbon and they win a medal. How come we can't balance buckets and get gold, huh? I mean, with how well Africa's been doing, maybe they should be sending their 22-year-olds to America so that they can also help out and also get some of those great pictures for their Instagram. So why has Africa been more successful at controlling a deadly disease? Well, one reason might be that they've had a lot of practice. Experts say some African nations experience with previous viral outbreaks, like the Ebola and Marburg viruses, mean it was already prepared to deal with COVID-19. The ecosystem built for the disease has been actually reused and readapted for COVID. They already have community workers, health workers who are experienced in dealing uh, with pandemics. In South Africa, they went out to the communities door to door, getting people to, to get tested for coronavirus. So they actually went out uh, for the virus. In Liberia's capital, Monrovia, residents are taking matters into their own hands by setting up neighborhood checkpoints to screen the temperature of those who enter, a strategy already used during the Ebola outbreak. You know how people tap elbows to greet now? That was already used in West Africa during the 2014 to 2016 Ebola outbreak. They called it the Ebola then. Yeah, unfortunately, Many Africans have been more prepared for corona because they were forced to deal with Ebola. And if you think corona is bad, whew, Ebola doesn't play around, man. Ebola is like if corona went to the gym. Actually, corona does go to the gym. Corona's there, don't go to the gym, don't go to the gym. You see, here's how it works. Using bad experiences to prepare for worse situations, it comes naturally to Africans. Like, I do it too, it's in my DNA. Like, I prepare for a possible famine by eating at the Cheesecake Factory. So that way, my stomach is like, huh, maybe starving wouldn't be so bad. So, because Africans know firsthand what a disease can do to people, they didn't take any chances with COVID-19. Most countries had mandatory mask requirements, and the country of Lesotho even imposed a nationwide lockdown before they had a single case. Imagine that. Imagine that, before they had a case. It reminds me of how my mom would sometimes beat my ass before I did something wrong. But mom, I haven't done anything. This is for something you were thinking of doing. <laughs> the worst part is true, I was gonna do it. So African nations were able to build on their experience fighting other outbreaks. But that's not the only thing that's working in their favor. It actually seems like the African people themselves have a lot of built-in advantages. One reason experts give for the low death rate is the continent's young population. 
50% of Africa's population is under the age of like 15 or 19. So it's a whole freaking continent full of young folks. So they were, you know, less susceptible to it. And, you know, for all these different reasons, um, it, it didn't devastate Africa. Africa has like 55, 60,000 deaths total for the entire continent with like a billion, almost a billion people on it. So they, they really, you know, were able to tap into something right and good on them that they saw, you know, uh, uh, an opening economically and looks like they were able to leverage it into some, some growth while the rest of the world had to take a break. Period.